Are you loving your poor ground or are you abusing it? If you love your poor ground, it'll love you back. That's what we're talking about in this episode of Extreme Ags Cutting the Curve. Welcome to Extreme Ags Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ice Cutting the Curve. We're talking about loving your poor ground, and then it'll love you back. I got Bert Riggin, he's from Concept Agritech, and I've got Kelly Garrett, one of the original founding fathers of Extreme Ag. The first thing you're probably saying is, wait a minute, I've tuned into your episodes before, Damian. I've heard from Kelly Garrett, he's in Iowa. There's no such thing as poor ground in Iowa. Well, maybe, maybe not. The reality is that before we hit record, we said, let's face it. Every geography has ground that is poorer than others. Every farmer farms ground that is their best ground and then has their worst ground. And chances are, if you are that farmer, you put more of your focus on your good ground. You love it a little bit better. Hey, I've got 10 kids. This guy's a really good athlete. I'm going to show a little bit more shine to him. Hey, this kid over here, you know what? Go over in right field. Just get, get out of the way. Let's face it. That's what happens. But we're talking about how you can maximize your returns from marginal soils. And we're going to talk about the classifications, if you will, the different categories that make a soil or a farm field poorer. The reality is you have some ground that's worse than others. We're going to help you love that poor ground and make it love you back. Bert, you brought this topic up, I think, or maybe I did on a previous recording, and I wanted to go with it. So get me started. Well, sure. I mean, you know, we see it every day. Just like you said, every 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 farm has your really good soils where your your you you know your yields are are, are good. Um, you know, you can push them. Then you have your marginal soils where sometimes you feel like it doesn't matter what you do, you're really not gonna get any more than what you, you know, you know, put into it. And then you have some that doesn't matter what you do. It just seems to let you down the whole time. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, human beings are creatures of habit. So you tend to want to, you know, funnel your resources into what's going to, you know, pay you back, you know, what you perceive is going to pay you back more. And, you know, when you're farming, you have to take a look and, and realize that, Nobody has a hundred percent perfect soil where every time they throw a seed in the ground, they're going to get, you know, NCGA yields. doesn't work that way. Everybody's got different levels of soils. And, and, you know, the thing is to identify what is making those soils not give you what you think you need to be getting out of it. And, you know, if you're a 300 bushel average corn farmer, everybody knows it's very difficult to move that needle much higher than that. You really have to start digging to try to see where that next advantage is. But if you've got ground that's doing 300 bushel an acre and you've got grounds doing 180 bushel an acre, that's a huge difference. If we could get that 180 ground bushel acre up to 220, that's a huge increase in profitability. And, 
you know, the beautiful thing about this, you know, love your, you know, poor ground, it'll love you back is that you can experience much greater gains by giving that, you know, marginal ground a little bit extra love, digging into it, understanding the personality of it and working with it. And it'll pay you back way more than trying to put in an extra 40% inputs on your better ground. I almost think, and since we like sports analogies, if we had Mike Evans on here, he's big on sports analogies and, and usually they're good. Sometimes it's a little out there, but you know what? He played football. He got hit in the head a couple of times. Let's face it. And and, and Kelly and I laughed, laughed at that. Anyway, let's do a sports analogy. Kelly, I got a really good athlete here that's been in training for the last 10 years, has been on all the right diet and has been lifting weights and is doing all the you know agility drills and all that. Your eye is drawn to that athlete like that's an athlete. That's a gamer. You got the kid that comes off the farm. It's a little bit rough. Hasn't really been on the right training regimen. The one that you can probably get more big bump exponential gains on initially is the the kid that hasn't really been on a weight training program hasn't been on a diet regimen hasn't been working on agility drills because you're taking them from unloved un unconditioned to the right level that's how i think a lot of these farm these fields are that they've your eye isn't drawn to them they're not as they're not as appealing visually but it's like damn if i just gave this field a little bit of attention i can turn this into a you know, a very good athlete. It's the same thing, I think. That's absolutely correct. And, you know, just like what Bert said, I would like to echo that. That good soil is giving you everything it can. So, of course, we want to pay attention to that, the right amount of seed, right amount of fertility. In my world, the good seal, the good soil actually needs less fertility because the microbial system, the biological system, is providing that for us organically or naturally. The poorer soil the, the, the kid that's a little rough around the edges, though, there's a lot more low-hanging fruit there. Typically, the fertility levels in my poorer soil are actually higher than they are in my good soil. The reason is that fertility is tied up and unavailable to the plant. So the, the parts per million, if you will, of, of say your P2 or the parts per million of your, uh, of your potassium, things like that, are much higher because the base saturation is messed up. And in my hills, specifically where I farm, we have too much calcium. Perfectly balanced soil, good soil, uh, would have a characteristic of 65% calcium. I can have 90% calcium. And because of that, it it's really ties up my phosphorus. My P1s go down. And my parts per million of potassium might be 300, but my base saturation K might be 1.8. Well, that's the reason that the K is so high. It's all tied up. So at that point, what we need to do is not fertilize the soil. We need to amend it. And what I used to amend it is sulfur. And that makes that soil come alive. And sulfur is a really inexpensive nutrient, if you will, or relatively inexpensive soil amendment. That's why I call it low-hanging fruit. I worked with an agronomist years ago, and he had a saying, if you fix, fix the bad spots in the field, you fix the whole field, because it's easy to raise that average. Just like Bert said, let's take that 180 from a 220. Those are the areas to uh, to really prioritize our time because that is where the biggest gain can be made. It's interesting that it still goes on. I mean, you I think you can understand, Bert, and you've been in this business your whole your whole career, and, and we talked, we're roughly the same age. And and so I can understand 30 years ago where we didn't have as good of equipment. Uh, we didn't have as good of understanding. We didn't have as good of technology or even of products. But it seems to me in the last 20 or 30 years, the strides that we've made 
you can get bang for buck off of marginal ground not if it's a complete disaster right you know not if it's this field is the most this field should purely be in crp but i'm saying some of the lesser stuff it seems like we're we've had enough runway now to correct this and it still doesn't really happen well and you know it kind of goes back a little bit what we talked about in our our previous podcast you know when you hit the easy button um if if you really want to be serious about maximizing that ROI, you can't take one fertility program and stretch it across all your acres. You're either going to starve your good ground or you're going to waste a bunch of money on your marginal ground. You have to come in and you have to tailor those approaches for the personality of that soil that you're farming. That's why, you know, having those good soil tests, those complete soil tests and having somebody help walk you through, you know, what your greatest limiting factor is identifying it. Like Kelly said, he knows, you know, he's got areas where he's got an overabundance of calcium that, that basically screws up availability of phosphorus and so many other things. But then again, he's got bottoms that have got magnesium, you know, that are just through the roof too, you know, and, trying to get those ratio, you know, the cow mag ratio, all that kind of stuff, you know, that that's where you can, you can really make great strides in the marginal ground because typically it is a major problem that can be, you know, identified relatively quick. And then you start to develop that plan to overcome it. Like in Kelly's case, you know, putting more sulfur out there, you know, but it, it's not, you know, just one thing, but you've got to take the time and recognize that you have to address the personality for every, for every type of soil that you're farming. And, you know, once you're not going to change it overnight, but once you start that ground will respond so much better, so much faster. Kelly, the thing that I'm hearing here is, you know, we talk a lot about grower standard practice, it's a term that I never heard that much of until I started working with you guys, but Grow standard practice that that doesn't mean treat every acre the same because that'd be again that to Bert's point that would be cost that'd be cost foolish to treat every acre the same. So you talked about you're already doing variable you're doing variable nitrogen you're doing variable seeding rates you're already changing up the variability. Part of that is doing this very thing. It's loving your poor ground and loving it. You're treating your poor ground differently just in your fertility and in your seeding rates, and that happens within a field. Exactly. You know, uh, our data set used to be by the field. We're going to go in and fertilize this field. We're going to go in and set the seeding seeding rate, the population at this rate in this field. And now it's uh, on anhydrous and planting. It's about a 12 by 12 foot area. I wish we could get it down so it was a 12 inch by 12 inch area. But, uh, you know, the technology just doesn't quite exist for us to be able to do that yet. So it's about a 12 foot by 12 foot area. We're constantly changing our rate of anhydrous. We're constantly changing our rate of seed. You know, in that poor ground, we, um, we're we only going to plant probably 24,000 seeds per acre. In the good ground, we're going to plant 33, 34,000 seeds per acre, maybe 32,500. Evans and I are dialing it in. And that's because of the yield potential of the ground. And it, uh, it you know, the, the plant food, the byproduct that I use for my, uh, my base fertility, we blanket rate that. The reason is there's so much phosphorus in there. We need more phosphorus in the good yielding areas because of the removal. We need more sulfur in the poor yielding areas 
because of the amendment. So that does get blanket rated because of how we need to treat that product. But that product works so good because we're putting about 80 pounds of sulfur out there to amend that soil and to make it come alive. And then the carbon that's in that product too, that's what we use to amend the soil. And holy cow, I, my neighbors, Chad and Jeremy, they say it makes a hill farm yield like a bottom farm. That's when you're, that's when you're improving ROI right there on your poorer soils. Yeah, and I want to, I want to go to that, Bert. You know, the person that says, you know what, this is neat, but I don't, I don't know if the money's there. It seems absolutely, especially with the array of products that we have available to us now, and stuff like your products. There was no concept Agritech fifty years ago. I mean, we've got fertility, we've got biologicals, we've got stuff that it seems to me that treating some ground that's just absolutely never seen it before it's gonna like like kelly says low-hanging fruit oh uh, yeah it, it it is i mean you're right we we've got much better tools today than than we ever had before and even though essentially the soil is just one giant chemistry set we have a greater understanding of the chemistry of the soil today than we did 50 years ago so all of this, all of these things that are available to us now really give us the opportunity to dial in and address the greatest limiting factors. And, and it's kind of like putting a crack in a dam. You know, once you get that crack started and get a little bit of that water coming out to relieve some of that pressure, once you get everything going in the right direction, then all of that water, all of that potential behind that dam can now be released and, you know, go on out. And so that's, you know, that's the whole goal is, is spend a little time on that marginal ground, get a little bit of advice, see what kind of extra love you can do. You know, can, you can give it to try to start moving it in that right direction. You know, and it's, it's, it's the difference between, you know, rescuing a dog versus, you know, paying high dollar for a, you know, a, a purebred, the rescue is going to be the absolutely most appreciative animal in your arsenal because it knows it didn't have anything for it showed up on your doorstep. That's, that's a good analogy. By the way, I want to talk about the products and the practices uh, that you've used, you know, we talk about sulfur and talk about variable rate fertility, et cetera. I think it's important to also talk about Kelly Again, everybody has some of the ground that's more poor than what their base is. I wrote down three things. I wrote down low fertility would be a category of poor ground. I wrote down topographical. It could be that it's hilly, slopey. It could be that it's flat and it floods. It could be there's a lot of things there. And then it could be just mistreated. If you've been any time in the countryside, you know that there's a farm down the road that somebody has been absentee landlorded or abusing the hell out of for the, for the last three decades, that's poor ground also. And that's because of it being abused for the last 30 or 40 years. So I want you to speak to each of those. There's a low fertility, you already talked about that, topographical stuff, things you can do to love it, and then the, the mistreated stuff, things you can do to start start that crack and start get that, that flow of pressure off of it like Bert's talking about. Yeah, you know, like your your first one there, I believe, was low fertility. And we have to pay attention to the removal of, of fertility that we have. You know, I uh, and I'll tell you a lot of I can sum all three of your problems up into one answer in my environment. And then we can break them out into subsets. But it is uh, it's conservation and erosion. I absolutely 
don't want to bale cornstalk bales on my ground. Because if you understood the amount of fertility removal that you're doing, you're not selling those bales for enough to replace that fertility. So that's, that's low fertility to me, is it, especially in the hills where I live. If you remove those stalks, you're removing way too much K, for example. 230 bushel corn stalks has about 250 pounds of K in it. That's a lot of money to replace, plus the availability of that natural K versus the synthetic, uh, it's 10 to 1. Okay, so there's number one. And number you could also two, talk number... about the organic matter. You could talk about the yes. fact that then soil cover, those yes. stalks or soil cover, when you've got 23% slopes and whatnot on your fields, the, the stalks become obviously a, a blanket of protection. I mean, there's right. all those reasons. Right, exactly. You know, so then when you talk about the topography or geography, your uh, those stalks provide uh, a lot of conservation and erosion, erosion control, yes. which then would lead on to your second one, which... What, what was the, or not the second one, what was your third, uh, third topic? A history of mistreatment. Okay, there's your mistreatment right there, poor erosion control. And that's why I talk about conservation in my hills. Those corn stalks, that fodder, that residue, that provides all of it. Everything you have, it provides an answer to all of it right there. The fertility, the erosion control, the mistreatment, you know, the, um, the, the tillage in the hills, that's that's the reason we're 100% no-till is to keep that soil where it's at, keep that biological system where it's at, and that's how we provide better soil health. Bert, I want to go to you. Uh, you know, you've been a consulting agronomist. You've been out here for, uh, you've been you've been walking fields for, I'm going to guess, 35 years, <laughs> and, and, maybe then, and maybe then some. I think that this is the, like, putting the mirror up. When we said that a history of mistreatment Maybe it's time for some producers to admit that their poorer ground is still poor and, and, and not loving them back because the mistreater is you. That's right. I mean, you know, I, I live in Mississippi. This is the land of scorched earth farming. Um, every field that's out there right now is bare. There are very few, very little, if any cover crops that ever get put out, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people think wheat is a cover crop. It's not. Um, it actually takes more out of the soil than it puts back in it. You know, and even though we're flat as a fritter here in the Mississippi Delta, what happens with all of this intensive tillage that we have is we destroy the soil structure. And we are subject to a lot of erosion because when that soil, you know, structure collapses, when we have one of our four, six inch rains, uh, then we get sheet erosion and all of our topsoil winds off, you know, winds up in the ditches and the bayous. Hang on, hang on real quick, Bert. This is important. We better explain, not just to the listener, but to our other guest. Kelly Garrett doesn't know what sheet erosion means because that is when you have essentially flat soils where then the water becomes so saturated that it takes a tiny layer off it. Imagine like taking a sheet off the top of something of your bed, for instance. He has no idea what that is because he's never actually seen or operated on a flat field. I've been to his farm. Right. You know, uh, you know, a, a, a slope field in where I live is, you know, a tenth and a half of an you know, inch fall per acre. You know, Kelly's, you know, he's on like a, a, a 9-12 pitch on some of his, you know, fields. <laughs> you know, I mean, his roofer would get extra pay, you know, if he was driving the tractor out there because that, you know, you, you don't have a tow board. So, so the history know. of, I mean, and I was being serious, obviously we're joking here about that, not so completely because his ground is very hilly, but about the history of mistreatment, 
it's kind of maybe almost like holding that mirror up and saying this ground has a history of mistreatment and unfortunately is it's due to me and i think that that's going to be a hard one for some guys to get over i'm not poking you know we've all done it we've all yeah. i grew up with we, we had fields that that sucked and we're like ah you know what we'll take care of that one last we'll get you know it gets it, it just doesn't get the attention whatever we've all done it so what can you do to correct that when you finally hold up the mirror and say the history of mistreatment is me here's what i'm going to do and i want both of you to address that one Kelly, you can go first. What do you go when you finally realize it was you, or maybe your dad, or maybe your grandfather, that was doing the mistreatment of this? What's the corrective measures? Well, it used to be as a kid, you would disc, and then you'd come back and field cultivate. And my dad, you know, looked at it and he's like, "What are we gaining here?" You know, he said, "We're subtracting moisture. What are we gaining?" So that that's when we went to the that's when we went to no till, and and then. You know, when you could still see in the um, in the fall of the year and things like that, you know, especially, you know, we have the spots where the water wants to run. And that's probably a little bit of a spring at times. You know, that's where we kind of started with the cover crops to get rid of that more of that root mass there to to try to hold the hold the soil in the side hills even after harvest with the cover crops starting there. And uh, that's how that evolution started to be there now because of how we have increased plant populations in some areas. Now we're taking them backwards, of course, but how we are improving plant health. Now the problem is dealing with all of that residue. You know, uh, Concept Agritech has a, pro has a product, uh, Residue RX, that we have tried, you know, and things like that to help break down that fodder and help build that organic matter. And it, it's a constant evolution of things to, to do that. You know, we went from the disc in the field cultivator to no-till and and now we're trying to get that residue to break down but we certainly don't want to go back to the disc that's where a product like concept agritech has comes into play that's where i was hoping by the way that before i want to hop to you before i do i heard a couple of things there it began with your father looking at correcting the history of mistreatment and again hold up the mirror and realizing maybe it's me that's mistreating it getting away from the disc getting away from over tillage getting away from you know obviously i did the same thing disc it disc it twice, then run over the field cultivator. You went over that ground three and four and five times with tillage before you ever went over the planter. It just it's ridiculous. Then I heard you talk about cover crops. That's going to be jumping off the high dive for some people because some people still believe that cover crops won't work for them. You and I have recorded about that, Kelly. Dear listener, go back and listen to that because that's a good one. All of you that think, oh, cover crops would never work here. Maybe it would better than you think. I mean, I heard you about Previously, you talked about variable rate, variable rating inputs, variable rating seed, etc. Now let's talk about products. Bert, what product? And, and we're not here doing a commercial. It's just what type of products, what category of products can I start using or reducing to correct a history of mistreatment on my poorer ground? Well, I mean, you know, obviously, Concept Agritech sells some of these things that you know categories that I'm, I'm going to be talking about. But one of the first ones that you really need to take a look at is, uh, you know, bi biology. Um, through all the tillage we've done, all the synthetic fertilizers we put out, herbicides, pesticides, we have reduced the native biology in our soils uh, dramatically. Biology, uh, in a sense, other than working as a symbiotic relationship with your crop, also helps hold your soil together. They, they help glue your soil particles together so they can help reduce, you know, erosion from that standpoint by helping that, that soil maintain its structure. You know, the other thing is, 
you know, there's so many people that, that burn residue. There's so many people that do all these other things and you volatilize a lot of the nutrients that are in the top portion of the soil and you volatilize a lot of the carbon. So you can over time actually reduce organic matter. So, you know, taking a look at it, especially on your lighter soils, introducing more carbon in, in, into your, you know, practice, because carbon not only is microbial food, but every living thing on this planet is carbon based. So you have to have a good bit of carbon there for, you know, organisms to grow. And even if you have good organic matter, if you're not working to help maintain that carbon balance, then what you see is over time, your organic matter will go down because you're burning through it because your crops and the microbes and everything else, they've got to have carbon. And so, you know, it takes a long time for organic matter to be replenished. So if you're high yield and you're doing all these other things over time, you're going to see organic matter start to creep down. So make sure you are putting some carbon back into it. You know, Kelly hit on a good thing with the, the residue management. Yeah. Not only is it going to help return nutrients back to the soil in a form that are going to be stable, less likely to leach and more available to the plants. But what you also see when you do that is is that that the all the good in that residue winds up getting put back into that soil that can be converted over into organic matter and you also help eliminate disease because a lot of your you know corn stover or, or any crop stover is a is a place where diseases overwinter over time and so by knocking that one leg of that disease triangle out you can see your disease pressure be reduced over time dramatically because it doesn't have a place to overwinter. Kelly, you said this is your favorite, one of your favorite topics, and we're happy to have you hop on here. Uh, you've talked a lot about balanced soils. I wrote that down, balanced. And you said once in one of our recordings, I don't think there's as I don't think there's as many cases of a field that's been mined or to go with my you know mistreated as maybe it's gotten knocked out of balance. Is there a product component to that? If you took on a field, you know, next township over. And you know it's been kind of mistreated. You know it's poorer, but you said, you already said, I can get some low-hanging fruit. I can really turn this thing around. How would you start? Balance? Well, I mean, what, what are we talking yeah, about? So you, know, you know, that's always something you hear at the coffee shop, that a big farmer has come in and rented this ground, and they've raped the soil, and it's left. Well, I'll tell you that I don't think that my soil is any more special than any of the neighbors around here. And the soil tests that we have gone and learned and the further education we've tried, there's 4,400 pounds of, pota of potassium in the top six inches of my topsoil, all right? Nobody has ever come and removed all that. So to say that it's gone is wrong. Yeah. If you want to say that somebody came in and mistreated the soil, I would tell you that it, the soil needs amended. It is not low fertility, at least in my region my neighborhood okay here in the iowa soil and to me the base saturation is far off because of erosion maybe or or different th different practices like that so what i would need to do then is again sulfur okay maybe some residue management uh potentially you know if, if some fertility is unavailable because of a base saturation problem i'm going to start with the sulfur to amend the base saturation and then i'm going to maybe start with some foliar um, i'm going to start with some foliar 
fertility applications to treat the plant instead of the soil because the plant isn't going to be able to get out of the soil what it needs. We're going to put an extra, extra, uh, maybe extra budget there. And then like Bert talked about, you got to look at biology. And we maybe need help starting the biology in that soil because it has been damaged, you know, and, and Concept Agritech would have some products there that we could, you know, be planner applied is what I would say. And we're going to look at things like that. Um, those are the things that I would do to help jumpstart that soil. So I heard introducing biologicals. I heard check on the balance. Uh, you're, you're, you're always big on reduction of tillage, et cetera. Um, here's the one that then the person listening to this. So let's say it's not that you're taking over. A, the reason I pose it that way. Let's say it's not that you're taking over the farm in the next township over that you know has been mistreated. You finally are admitting that you've got some that you've been mistreating. That's what I was getting at. So that person should do the things you just talked about. Bert, yes. If, I, if I'm if I'm looking at some of my ground, uh, and I'm going to say, is the payoff there? Kelly already said there's some low hanging fruit. It's more work though. Is it the work or the money that you think is the the one that you've got to get your or 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 change? You talked a lot about you can't treat every acre the same. Which one is it? The work, the mindset, or the the money? I think um, you know it, everybody's capable of of running the numbers and seeing, you know, if I just, if I just increase my overall average on marginal ground by 10 bushels an acre on soybeans, you know, they, they can run the economics on that. Um, if it is, I don't necessarily think it's the work part because, you know, we talked a lot about how it's, it's not maybe changing, you know, anything drastic it's just moving an application from <laughs> point to the other point i think i think really the what what the biggest issue is is that people you know you you like i said it just becomes easy to treat everything the same because you don't have to do you know you don't have to worry about you know you always hear well i you know i can't be out there every time we you know change a field and you know, I don't really have a good hand that, you know, I can trust to do this or that or whatever, you know, at the end of the day, there's a multitude of excuses people can come up with on why they don't want to do something, but it, you know, over time, education, taking a look at, at that talking, talk to the darn people next door that used to have the same soybean average as you. But now all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're, they went from averaging 35 bushels an acre to 55 bushels an acre. That's a, that's a game changer for farm revenue. Oh, it's a huge yeah. difference. By the way, Kelly, I just said, all right, it's going to be a little bit more work. It's not, it's not more work. It's just, you've got to do different work on different fields. I think is what we're talking about because you're still out there doing the thing is it's. And so when I said work, it, which one's the hardest thing when you stay, you want to start loving your poor ground. Is it the work that you've got to change the mindset or the money investment? A lot of people are going to say, well, that takes a bunch of money to do that. I don't think that that's that. I think it's about, no, it, it, it's all mindset and it isn't you. I don't believe that we're probably even going to add a pass. So it isn't the work, you know, and but you're not adding, and, you're not adding an extra, you're not adding an extra no. step and you're not, you're not adding extra more step. money. And, you, you know, like um, in, in our poorer ground, we do turn up the anhydrous, but we turn down the seed. So the budget remains about the same, for an example. Uh, it's all about the mindset. You know, it doesn't matter if you're talking about somebody lifting weights or 
or somebody just going to work, everybody likes to do things that they're good at, that come easy to them. And going and looking at that 300 bushel farm is a lot more fun than going and looking at that 160 bushel farm, you know, or, or relative to whatever a good yield and poor yield is in your area. So it becomes a mindset. And, you know, when you hear at the coffee shop what somebody said their yields are, I promise you they're not telling you on your poor farm. They're always telling you on your good farm. And it just doesn't want to get paid attention to because of mindset and probably ego. But you know, ego, wait, hey, wait, Bert. Yeah. Bert, you've been working with farmers for 30, 40 years. Have you ever met an egotistical farmer? Uh, you know, I just I, I prefer to look at farmers like I do gamblers because you kind of have to be a gambler to be a farmer. And, you know, a gambler always likes to tell you their last big win, but they never want to talk about how many losses they have. You realize you're talking, you realize you're talking to the gamblingest of the extreme ag guys right here. And I'm not talking about me. I, I do, but Kelly also knows that there's a lot of truth into this statement as well. Oh, there is. There, but the reason I think that I do so good gambling is because I want to talk about the losses. I expect the wins and I don't, you don't learn any, here's the problem of why I think it holds people back. They always want to look at the wins. You don't learn anything. Nope. What you learn from is the losses. That is so that's where you need to concentrate your time. That's the secret to the success. I like it. So while we're on that, since you said this is one of your favorite topics I've ever brought up, by the way, we brought up a lot of topics like this, dear listeners and viewers. I mean, there are literally more than 200 episodes of cutting the curve out there now. And there's also hundreds of videos these guys have shot. So if you want to continue this, this discussion, it's real easy. It's right there at extremeag.farm. Kelly said this is one of the favorite topics I've ever brought to the, the table here. So why don't you get me out of it? We call it love your poor ground and it'll love you back. You've got a history of doing this. You know, everybody yeah. says, oh, he doesn't have poor grains in Iowa. If you went to down to Chad Henderson's place, he's doing the same thing. He's probably looking at, yeah, this was some pretty poor stuff that we picked up eight years ago that nobody wanted. And the first thing we did was boop, boop, some of the same things we're talking about, right? Yeah. Love your poor ground isn't a blanket statement to go across all of the United States. Love your poor ground is just relative to your own area yeah. and to your own operation. To the, to yes. the, to the, concentrating on, yes. the, on the bottom 25% of your stuff, you yeah. actually might get a bigger, big bump out of it. You know, we're, we're always, we as farmers are always worried about yield. How big is the pile of corn at the end of the year? How big is the pile of soybeans at the end of the year? All right. How big is the pile of wheat? The, the pile that we need to be worried about is the pile of money. Yeah. And your pile of money is going to get bigger if you spend more time concentrating on your poor ground relative to your good ground the good ground's taking care of itself it's paying the bills go prioritize your time on the poor ground and improve the roi there and your pile of money will be bigger at the end of the year bert i think we should leave it right there unless you want to do one more gambling reference uh, no i mean my my saying for all the years i've been in the business is we need to quit robbing peter to pay paul make paul tote his own weight and that's exactly what kelly's talking about yep Got it. His name's Burt Riggin. He's with Concept Agritech. If you want to learn more about the products from Concept Agritech, it's Concept Agritech. And tech has a K on the end of it, not a CH. That's Concept Agritech. His name is Burt Riggin. He's a good dude. He's a Mississippi guy. He's an agronomist, and he knows a lot of stuff. So you can always look him up. Uh, Kelly Garrett, Iowa farmer who is concentrated on maximizing returns on his below average fields. And you should do the same. We just gave you all the reasons why. Again, share this with somebody that can learn from it. If you want to take your learning to the next level, 
for just seven hundred fifty dollars a year, you become a member of Extreme Ag. You'll get special bonus offers from some of our business partners. You'll also get exclusive content and access to the Extreme Ag guys uh, for question and answer formats, so that you can go a little deeper on topics that interest you. Till next time, thanks for being here. I'm Damian Mason. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out ExtremeAg.farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions.